This day in Cleveland Browns history, our football Browns played against the Bears of Chicago in 1938 for a penalty-free game. Freddie Kitchens, it's time to dig up the graves of those coaches so you can learn what discipline was. Welcome to our show. Welcome back. This is the Orange is the New Browns podcast. We are the number one podcast in Cleveland Browns news, says me. Yep. So, lots to talk about today. The good news is, it's all pre-recorded. Pre-recorded. You gotta love it. We have a guest. The guest. At Bird's Eye View, it's Brittany Mollis. Yes, and it's a good interview. Pretty good one. So substantial, uh, you know, and we didn't edit anything. Uh, maybe you know, maybe the first two seconds of the deal, but yeah. Other than that, it's it, it is unfiltered, uncensored, uncensored, pure gold podcast of the Oranges and New Browns podcast. It's like a Coors Yellow Belly. So pure gold in my tummy. Few notes before then. Yeah. Note one: We're six and seven. We're almost there. Yep. No two. Don't talk about the medical staff. Don't do it. No three. Go Buckeyes. Go Buckeyes. We are, I think we got underranked at two, but that's actually the best position to be in. Yeah. So. Because the number one team hasn't won the national championship at all. Yeah. Well. Little stat for you for the uh, C of the college football playoff. Yeah. The number one ranked team has never won the, the championship. So there you go. So. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, right? A little education for right? you guys. So, anyways, so go Buckeyes. Go Buckeyes. We got some Cavs talk. We got some Tribe talk. And, of course, we got Browns news. Browns news. So, coming at you right now, here it is. None other than our interview with Brittany Moss. Boom. Now coming on our show. She hasn't been here at all during a win. She's now ever. part. Ever. Ever. Now she's now part of that's what B said, and she's still our Northeast Ohio correspondent. It's Brittany Mollis. Yeah. Hi guys. Are you ready for today? So wait, I've really never been here to talk about a win since the preseason. Not in we've in the preseason wins don't count. Oh my god! It's always we've had I think three this season with you, and all three of them after losses. Oh no! So we broke that trend right now. There we go. Although it didn't really feel like a win, did it? You know, it's, it's a tough game because our defense kind of had the uh, Greg Williams approach, bend, don't break. And mm-hmm. our offense just, I don't know how we put up 27 points. I mean, we got a defensive touchdown. So there's that. But I don't know how yeah. we how we put up those points because that you first You subtract half, the seven from the, you know. Yeah, but I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know how we put 20 up because the first half we had the ball for like six minutes and that was it. Yeah, but it was a tough game. That's but it's it just sounds it just feels weird because last year we beat Cincinnati twice, but the the one I went to in Cleveland, we won, but we won handedly. I wouldn't say handedly. We they we we let them come back in the the trash time, but it was never out of hand. But we enjoyed it. The fans yeah. were crazy. It was a lot of like electric energy, and it was like we won by the same amount of points. So I don't know why. 
It's so different yeah, than last it's year. It's weird. Also, they had Hugh Jackson last year, which was a special treat. We didn't even, yeah, we got the, like, well, I didn't yell at him, but the, the, the city of Cleveland sure the hell let Hugh Jackson know what they felt about him. So it was a, yeah, it was a good time. Good time. It was a really good time. Good and I was time. in the, I was in the dog pound and it was even better. So, Ugh. yeah. So, what is the atmosphere like in Cleveland? Not, it really doesn't feel great, guys. It's like, I don't know. I think maybe just because there was like such high expectations, and now you know the playoff chances are basically down to nothing. And I think you know the realistic. Well, okay. Remember when I was on here preseason, like said either nine seven or ten and six yeah yep that's like best case scenario now nine and seven so and we, we yeah, have to I win mean, we have to win three straight to be nine and seven yeah i mean lamar jackson's hurt right now though isn't he didn't he like hurt he's his playing he's playing tomorrow night though he came out and said he's playing and he made Ooh. it a point to say that he got hurt on a throwing play not a running play oh, there <laughs> so, you go that's what he came out and purposely said that and i was like well that's interesting but no, uh, yeah. depending on what happens, I mean, maybe he goes down before we have to play him and we, we have a chance that game. We, I mean, we handed the, we handed them their biggest loss of the season, their last yes. loss. That was nine yeah, weeks ago. Yeah, chance to win that game. Yeah. We, I'm not bad in it. it was, that was handedly. We won that game. That was the only game that we've had this year where we could breathe and be like, oh, this is the team. Yeah, that was the only uh, win this year. I think that everyone like collectively felt really good about. That's been it, really. And every other win's been marred by something. So the Steelers game, it was marred by the last eight seconds with the Miles Garrett thing. And now every time I mm-hmm. see somebody like grab a face mask or a helmet pops off, I'm looking for somebody to get hit in the head. Just so yeah. it doesn't Miles Garrett doesn't look that bad and they're like, Oh, it's happened again. Now we can reduce the sentence. I mean, that's what I'm hoping yeah. for. I ask for it every game, it doesn't happen. But <laughs> like you, you, you see the kind of there's 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 a reaction. There's just something that after every game or before every game, there's something that goes on. Before this win, we had the issues with uh, OBJ's rumors of wanting out of Cleveland. And yeah. then it's finished by Baker Mayfield burying the training staff. Like, yeah. So it didn't like the, – the win wasn't enjoyed in the essence of the issues around it. Right, and that seems to be like the theme all year. You know, like when we – was it misplayed the Jets? Oh, my God, that feels like it was forever ago. And everyone was kind of upset because they didn't win by more than they did, which they still won by like 20 points, I think. But there's people complaining that, oh, they're playing against the second or third string quarterback and should have been a lot yeah, more. We both of them, yeah. 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 But we <laughs> lost. We we literally lost to two or three fourth string quarterbacks. Two fourth string quarterbacks. One got dropped in the last, yeah. Yeah. well, in the last, since like 2007, we've lost to five. <laughs> See, that's not a good stat. Yikes. And, you know, this is how I feel about it. I mean, I'm just going to lay it out there. Let's put it down there, KT. You know, and and you tell me if I'm wrong. The reason why we're as bad as we are, one, play calling. Freddie Kitchens. Freddie Kitchens. Yeah. Two, mm-hmm. we have two guys that are making news that shouldn't be making news. One is, and I, I I'm going to say this, Colin Coward was correct. You wear a C on your chest. You're supposed to be the captain. What other NFL quarterback do you know that runs his mouth after a win? Like, you should be, like, promoting the fact that, hey, things haven't gone the way that they wanted to. We still got the win. We move on. 
he says that, but then he he adds additional and then, commentary. But but then he goes back and tweets on stuff. I, I mean, it's kind of like our president. Every once in a while, he runs his mouth too much on Twitter. Like he says something good on TV, and then five minutes later, he tweets something, and you're like, please stop. Totally contradicts well, yourself. Yeah, you know? it's reverse opposite with Baker Mayfield. He says it on camera. And does that. Here's the back out. But, then, but his wife's very sensible. Emily's you, Emily's like the queen of Cleveland. And the third part is, is OBJ looks just like he was fighting the kicker's net. That's how bad it is right now. Well, so, Brittany, I don't know if you saw it, but there was a video after the uh, Bengals game uh, where it came up where Odell, I think, told Kareem that – I just want to. I just want to get a touchdown. I want to get a. Tu- or he said, "I want to get a touchdown too." And Nick oh, Chubb's yeah, there. That, and Nick Chubb yeah. says, "I just want to get a win." Like, <laughs> yeah, that tells you the difference of mindsets of players that want to win and players that are all about themselves right now. So it sounds like you and Nick Chubb need to team up because you're both doing what Cleveland needs you to be. Like that, right? So you, you and Nick Chubb could be some sort of like superhero tandem. Are you, da- are you down Nick for that? Chubb, Nick Chubb, oh yeah. I can be his Robin, his Batman. He already said it. Yeah. I will be Nick Chubb's Robin. I think it would work. I, I have to say, I'm more excited about Kareem Hunt's performance than I have OBJ all year. Yeah, he's made a difference in the last three or four weeks. I mean, he is he's that spark that, like Landry. Landry and him, they ha- when they touch the ball, they do something special with it. OBJ touches the ball, he drops it if it's thrown to him correctly, and if it's <laughs> some wild catch, you know, he's going to make it, and then he's going to stand there and drop the ball and act like it's a first down. And I don't really care to see that stuff. I want to see him play football. And, I'm frankly, I'm getting tired of it. It's crazy. Yeah, but I think, like, all these things with OBJ, like, this is all stuff that people – you knew who OBJ was. and exactly. got Like, this is expected. There's nothing about this. The only thing that that I find surprising up to this point in the season is that it took this long for the the questions to start. Um, I think he's been really professional this whole time for the most part, which you know I'm giving him credit for that because he is a he he's an elite wide receiver. He hasn't been you know treated like it for most of the year. Um, they've had a really difficult time trying to fit him into the offense. And you know, I have no, I have no problem with OBJ. You know, all these questions are surrounding him now. And I've said, you know, multiple times now, if if he doesn't want to be here, like I have no hard feelings as a fan. You know, I the Cleveland Browns are number one. All the players are secondary, all of them. So if he doesn't want to play for the Browns, you know, find somewhere to trade him. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I think. I think if they do any type of trade, one, you're going to get some first-round draft picks and maybe, you know, an offensive lineman would help mm-hmm. at times. I think the last couple of games with the – Tackle. With the, we yeah, need special, tackles. Yeah, we don't tackle. need guards because the Wyatt Teller has been amazing. Yeah, I, th- I feel like and, – and J.C. Treader has been good. But, you know, when it comes down to it, there's difference between professionalism. And, I and yeah, I, I see where you're talking about. Like, when he's up at the thing, but when you're going on – uh, they have a video of him talking to Jimmy Garoppolo after the San Francisco game mic'd up where it says, I got a spot for you. You know, come on. Yeah. Like why? And he's like, I got to go, you know, like really 
that you know that the cameras are on you and you're just making more drama for yourself. It's about the shoes. It's about the watch. I get all that. Like that's that to me, that's OBJ. Yeah. But this mm-hmm. stuff about being profess- professional about it is you play for the Browns. So play for the Browns. I, I'm, I'm very confused of where you draw the line at professionalism. I'm like the theatrics of the shoes and the watch that doesn't bother me. But this late in the season, and we're now hearing you want out of Cleveland, that's not a good sign. Yeah. So, like, the, what always confuses me about this is that these these high-profile high wide receivers are always tied to New England. Like, they would love to go play for Bill Belichick. So, if, mm-hmm. we, if, we, we, if we talk about this, Randy Moss went to New England, right? And he's really the only one that did anything. But I'm saying he went to New England, right? How long did he last in New England? Three years. One year, mm, no. maybe two years. Two years because they two went. Two years they went. I mean, they, they went undefeated the one of his first season. But the big, the big tier receivers don't last very long in New England. They they use them when they need them, and then when the contract money's getting close, they're like, oh yeah, we got to trade them away because we can't handle the contract. And that's what Odell Beckham is right now. Is that I think he thinks there's all these organizations that are going to eat his contract, give him more money, but he still hasn't performed up to the tier that he should. Now, some of that's not his fault. Uh, play calling, yes. just uh, just getting the schemes right for him, those are those are something that needs to be improved on. And that's a coaching situation. But if he's playing hurt, but if he's playing hurt, then that's, that's on him. That's on. I mean, it's on you're him the one and that makes the team. Well, it, it, so. you make that decision as a player to step on that field. You don't have to play. But is it smart for Baker to to bring down the training staff, though, Brittany? I had a theory about this one. <laughs> oh, I'm, hear that. I'm ready i'm ready okay so it's possible and this is what i choose to believe that baker did that he said something stupid I know what you're about to, to say. take the heat off of odell beckham yeah. i think that that i i would like to believe that this is the kind of leader that we have he's like okay all of these questions are about odell 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 here yeah. i'm gonna say something really stupid and outrageous that they stop talking about Odell. And the the way you say that, the theory might be correct because a few days ago, Baker made uh, Stephen A. Smith's top ten most like what did he, most I, I think he hated or most, yeah most annoying most annoying sports. Yeah, most annoying. And so he's number four. Yeah. He was below yeah. Antonio Brown. Thank God. But I was mm-hmm. on the way over to KT's and Sierra Spain and companies on love Sarah Spain. But what they were talking about was not OBJ winning out of Cleveland. It was about what Baker said about the training staff. And, like, the guy mm-hmm. that was on the Spain was like, know your role there, Baker. And I'm like, they've kind of lessened what OBJ, the, all the OBJ news, and have now centered on Baker Mayfield. Yes. So it might be so, uh, smoke and mirrors there. I mean, you know. Or it you could know. be the fact that everybody knows that he doesn't want to be in Cleveland. Yeah, OBJ. I mean, I would say he wanted to go to San Francisco. He ends up in Cleveland. He should be happy that he's in Cleveland because – the cities embraced him. People bought jerseys like crazy. It became the number one selling jersey. And then yet, that's still not good enough for him. It's not like you can't jump on a plane but, uh, you know, and go ahead and go anywhere you want to go. Johnny yeah. Manziel did it. As Billy Janzel <laughs> so. with a concussion. So, so yeah, that's, this is, we see these issues. But I think um, one of the things that concerns me the most, though, uh, out of this Cleveland Browns team is uh, – is more of the ownership um, Haslam, and it's not mm. so. Be, and I, you can put up some blame on John Dorsey for his football guys that are 
not lasting, but mm-hmm. um, you're you're seeing kind of like the fruits of the labor of of Jimmy Haslam because this is the third coaching hire, which uh, yeah, the third coaching hire, second coaching hire since in the last you know two coaches that he went against his front office and his analytics judgments and hired who he thought would be the best bet. So they didn't want Hugh Jackson. He wanted Hugh Jackson. So he got sold. He drank the Kool-Aid. He believed the Kool-Aid, realized the Kool-Aid was still. But it took John Dorsey for him to realize that. Now with Freddie Mm. Kitchens, CBS reported just a few weeks ago that Jimmy was the one that wanted Freddie Kitchens because he thought the relationship that Baker had with Freddie would be more beneficial than what some sort of scheme artist could. You know, just an offensive scheme uh, artist like Kevin, I forget his last name. It's the offensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. He makes, you know, he makes, what's his name? Kevin something, I don't know. No, it, the, but the quarterback, I can see oh, his face. Kurt, Kurt oh, Cousins. Um, Kurt, Kurt Cousins. He makes Kurt Cousins look better than he is. And so they that was the coach that the, the analytic team wanted. That was the coach that John Dorsey approved. But Jimmy Haslam said, no, I want Freddie Kitchens. And so... I didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah. So CBS reported that just a few weeks ago. This is the second time that he's done that in the coaching hire process. Went against what his front office said was the best option for the team, especially going in with the roster that they had. So Jimmy, to me, he's the he's the guy that kind. Of, I mean, he has that huge empire. He has the pilot, you know, flying J empire. That mm-hmm. you know, he he loves results, and he wants to turn a blind eye res- to results. Because he'll see a win as a win, but he won't see that his team's kind of falling apart. And it's been strange that mm-hmm. he's been silent. Last year, he he would come out and support Hugh Jackson for a few times, saying, yeah, he's our coach, he's our coach, and then finally it was like, see you later. But Jimmy Haslam, I feel like, is the kind of the owner that needs to remove himself from football decisions. Because once he puts the hand in there, we draft Johnny Manziel. Then we hire Hugh Jackson. Then we hired Freddie Kitchens, and that's three strikes. Three strikes right there. Freddie Kitchens was no better than a pretty average offensive coordinator that somehow got a head coaching job. We let Bruce Arians go to Tampa Bay. Mike McCarthy does not have a job. We got problems. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that – well, there's a lot to unpack here. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I just laid. I just laid like um, a trip. Like a, it's I just, I just left Hawaii. I have a full suitcase, yes, and you're helping me unpack I the suitcase. It's insane. I haven't, I haven't heard anything about Jimmy Haslam for a while. I feel like all the heat has been taken off him completely. So, like, I hear his name, and I'm like, oh yeah, he's still involved. Um, but you know, I had my issues with him with the, with Hugh Jackson. You know, that was very clearly his guy. He was backing him until the end. Um, and then, you know, it seemed like John Dorsey sort of forced his hand in, in that decision and replacing him. Um, so, like, that was good to me, like what they did last year. I still, and this is hard for me, but I'm not completely ready to give up on Freddie yet. Um, just because I don't think that the smart move for the Browns is to always hire and fire and hire and fire. Like, I want that to stop. Now, obviously, they're going to give him another year. I would almost guarantee it. Um, because whether it's John Dorsey or Haslam, 
both those guys have very big egos. Neither one 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 makes you know admit that they made a mistake. They chose the wrong guy. That'll take a you know a long time for them to do. I think. So whether we like it or not, we're going to get another year of Freddie Kitchens. Um, I would hope, very much hope, that he is not calling plays next year, and we'll see if you know that makes any sort of a difference. But um, yeah, like you know, Freddie's the guy for at least another year. I would say. You have an offensive coordinator right beside you, and you're not letting him be an offensive coordinator. It just yeah, blows my mind. I know, and like you yeah, know, for the first eight it. games that you're not doing a very good job. So, mm-hmm. if you're not doing a very good job, maybe it's time to, you know, take a step back, let the offensive coordinator do it for you know a couple weeks, see what happens. If it doesn't work out, then great, fire that offensive coordinator, yeah. get you somebody back, and then you can take over play calling. So, Brittany, let's talk about this. Um, Freddie himself. Uh, is just he's a he's a he's a huge Freddie guy himself. So he's very narcissistic. He 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 thinks Freddie mm-hmm. Kitchen knows the way. It's his way. It's the highway or blah 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 blah. But he continues to make the the same mistakes over and over and over. We have still an undisciplined team. We still have mm-hmm. a offensive scheme. I mean, any other offensive minded coach? Hell, I would even say Cl- Cliff Kingsbury, Cliff Kingsbury out of the Cardinals, who failed at the university where KT and I live in. He failed there and was 19 and 35 in the Big 12 with awful defenses. Could do more with this offense than what Freddie Kitchens has done. So it's it's blowing my mind that um, you know I, I I know that we need continuity. Like that's something that we've struggled with. But if you have if you know that you hired, and I I don't want to call him this, but it it's kind of what it is. But if you've know you've hired a loser. So if, you know if when I was running retail portions of banks and I'd have to hire a teller or a personal banker. Yeah, they were great in their interview. They did great in training, but once they hit the floor, they were awful. You have to cut ties pretty fast. You know, it's it's one of those. So I, I think continuity's there, but they need some better continuity. It's it's not it's not something that I would I don't know. I, I think I'd be okay with them firing Freddie. Even and I'm I'm not I would say I'm less okay with them keeping Freddie. Uh, especially if we don't even improve on the record we have last year with better team and uh, a less a lesser schedule, it doesn't make any sense. So we had a lesser schedule than we did the year before, but we're going to have almost the same or potentially worse record. So it's just I don't know. Freddie Kitchens is an anomaly. He's an anomaly right now. He is, but like again, you know, with the OBJ thing, when I said, you know, with him, you sort of expected this stuff to happen at some point. You expect it all as like, you know, almost like a circus around him. With Freddie, you didn't know what to expect. So, like, you know, you saw him at, you know, well, actually, it was Greg last year, but, like, you know, Freddie was there. That was the guy who was calling the plays, blah, blah, blah. Um, but he's never been a head coach at, in the NFL. So, like, this was a hire that was made in confidence for whatever reason and whether you know if it was with Haslam who you fell in love with him and like yeah this is my guy uh you just didn't know what to expect and as much as I don't like most of what he's done this year and I don't I especially the play calling has killed them uh the discipline has killed them sometimes it seems like you know when he's in these press conferences and they ask him questions and he says well I don't know you should ask this player yeah like that's things are very unprofessional. I think everyone's just very frustrated. So, you know, 
but again, I do think they're going to bring him back next year. I don't think we're going to see Freddie fired. I think they're going to give him at least another year yeah. to sort of get his mind right, get his, his everything together a little bit more. Um, because this is a learning process for him. And that's unfortunate because you have a roster full of talent. Uh, it would be nice to have a coach that has experience, that had you know, a, a game plan. But that's not what we got. We got a guy who's, who's new to this. So, you know, they took a chance. And so far it hasn't been great. It hasn't worked out very well. But who's to say that this can't be better next year? I'm, I'm trying to stay positive. Because I know it's going to happen. I know they're going to kick them. I'm going to have to sort of spin it in a way that makes me want to watch them again next year. So, but that's that's how I feel about it. Yeah, I would completely agree there. Um, I just think, and I, you know, Freddie is. If we do give him another chance, we need to see if we have to say, "Hey, we're going to give you another chance." If I was John Dorsey, this is what I'd say. I'd say, "Okay, we're going to let you be the head coach still. You're going to stay another year, but." we need you to improve this offense, especially with this talent. Because mm-hmm. if you look at the Doug Petersons or the Frank Wrights of the NFL, and I mean, there's more, more than there's more than coaches that you could think of. Um, you have these coaches that had a good talented roster, but was able to, to morph schemes that got out the best in players. And when you have a mm-hmm. roster that's full of, and I'm going to say Baker Mayfield's a good quarterback. He's in the, he's a top tier quarterback even though people don't want to come a call him a top-tier quarterback because of this year. But Baker Milford's a top-tier quarterback. He's not an elite, but he's a top-tier. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., Hollywood Higgins, and David Njoku on your roster. You have that mm-hmm. that that group of on your roster. Don't, no matter the offensive line issues, you be, you should be able to scheme around that and work towards the player's strengths. And that's what – I mean, the Eagles did it in 2017 when Wentz went down and put Foles in there, developed the offense, schemed the offense to Nick Foles' strengths, and they still went out and won a Super Bowl. And I'm just going, yeah. we have we have a roster that has good enough talent to make a playoff push, to get in there deep, but the schemes are not working. And it frustrates me because mm-hmm. I think if he thinks it's working, then it's th- there's an opposite to it. And so many people are believing this, oh, we got to change the culture. The culture needs to be changed. And I said, well, last year I think the ch- the culture was changed when they said, see you later, Hugh Jackson. We got tired of losing. We said, this is enough. And once that culture changed, we won games. So the culture change yeah. already took place. We already have people buying into it. I don't believe there's any players that's like, oh, I'm not, bl- I'm not believing this at all. And now we have this, like, regression because all of our wins are marred by undisciplined actions on or off the field. And a coach, you know, the the whole T-shirt gate is just a bad situation for Freddie Kitchens. I mean, you could wear the shirt, but he just got caught out in the middle of nowhere with a shirt on watching a movie. So it's and then just to like double down on it and say that he'd do it. I'd again. wear it again if like, I wanted to. Oh boy! Yeah, it, it it's insane to me. So I feel like if we can win the next three games, you know, the Cardinals is a very winnable game. So we can go over the stats with the Cardinals because. We just played the 31st-ranked defense, which is the Bengals, and we're about to play the 32nd-ranked defense in the Cardinals. So mm-hmm. the the Cardinals are statistically the worst defense in the NFL. So that that gives us some hope. So we're playing the last place, run, you know, last place defense in the NFL. They give up 28.8 points a game, 414 yards a game. 
and they have almost the amount of, the amount of penalty yards that the Browns have. So, they, I mean, they, they, mm-hmm. they penalize a lot. Their defense gets yeah. tired because their offense moves fast. So, they're, you know, Kingsbury's offense is very fast-paced. So that works kind of to our favor because if they're going to have these fast-paced things and they don't the drive stall, then there's only a two-minute drive. And then if Baker and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and Freddie can, you know, manufacture the seven- to eight-minute, even five-and-a-half to six-minute drives consistently in the third quarter, that defense is going to be worn down. Mm-hmm. Should be. From from statistically, we should be able to do that. So I don't know. It just It's strange to me that these next three games, the only one that concerns me is, is Baltimore. That's the only one that concerns me. So potentially eight and eight, but it's, it's just like a, it's, it's like an eight and eight. It's like pizza that you, it looks really good, but then you take a bite out of it and you're like, it really isn't that good. It really isn't that good. What was the, uh, what was the office episode? It was uh pizza from Alfredo's and Alfredo's pizza. <laughs> Basically is the situation. So that's what the eight and eight wouldn't feel like to me. No, that's very true. You think that, you know, with all this talent that they got, um, our record would be much better. We did it, you know, the schedule was pretty tough. Um, they really kind of dug themselves in a hole in the beginning, the beginning half of the year. And it's unfortunate. They were still trying to figure themselves out. And, you know, sometimes I wonder if, how much, I wonder how much different the season would have been had they never got OBJ. Um, because, you know, obviously he wasn't part of the plan. He became available and you see a talent. And you're like, okay, yes, we have to try to get him. And that's totally understandable. Um, but, you know, it seemed like for most of the year they were trying to figure out how to fit him in, figure out how to utilize him, which they never fully understood. And, you know, there seemed to be some sort of issue with him and Baker when he when he was throwing to him. Um so you just wonder if the season would have gone a little bit different had they not have had to force it so much with him, with, you know, this guy who is he's an elite talent. He, you got to get him the ball. You got to get him the ball. Um, at times, it felt like they're forcing it. They're, you know, there are other things that could have been done that I think maybe would have been done if they weren't under so much pressure to get OBJ the ball. Yeah. Uh, so I don't like that's something interesting to think about. You so know, we're so the Browns fans. If they never got him. So like uh, the Browns fans, we're basically the kid from Alfredo's Pizza that's stuck, being held hostage in the in the in the conference room. That's basically what we're <laughs> trying for, to figure out. <laughs> that's it. If this pizza is going to be pizza good or bad. Boy. Yeah, and that's 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 yeah. what we are. That's what the feeling is right now, um, because you have this talent, and I you pointed on something that I just didn't even think about. Uh, if we didn't have Odell Beckham, where would this team be? Mm-hmm. And where would the and when I say where would this team be, I think we'd have the same record. Um, just by it, just I just think we'd have the same record. We might be a little bit better because Baker wouldn't feel forced to throw to OBJ, and he'd still be able to spread the ball like he did last year because that was a strong suit of his last year. Is that not one receiver? Mm-hmm. Hollywood Higgins was a very favorable receiver, so was Jarvis, but he spread the ball out to every single person, every single person. Mm-hmm. So, I think Baker with OBJ might be limited uh and it's not it's not that it's, it's not li- he's limiting himself because he knows he has to get OBJ involved or o- OBJ is not going to want to be there because as a quarterback mm-hmm. you want that high tiered receiver but you also have Jarvis Landry and if let me ask you this if OBJ played like Jarvis 
would these conversations being would this would this would we would we would we be having these conversations right now? No. Because it's a personality thing. Jarvis is there playing his heart out almost every single mm-hmm. play. And you mm-hmm. see OBJ knowing that he might be a decoy, just taking a playoff here and there every single game. Yeah. Every single game. No, a hundred percent. Um I wish that OBJ had more of Jarvis's heart. It there, there's never been a point this year where it it felt like OBJ felt at home. You know what I mean? Yep. Like it always kind of just feels like he's he's here and he wants to you know he wants his stats, he wants his touchdowns, he likes playing with his best friend, and that's all nice. But like, so like the difference, the biggest difference between him and Jarvis is that when Jarvis got traded here. Like he he fully embraced the Browns. He fully embraced the fans, the city, the coach, everything. Like this is his home officially. Yep. Um, it's never felt that way with OBJ. It feels like we're. It feels like Jarvis. We actually went out and shopped, and found the couch that's going to be in our living room or den for the next twenty years. You know, he's he's that he's that piece of furniture that's going to always be comfortable. Will always last and will always be there. And it feels like OBJ is that when you're a broke college kid and you need a wash and dryer, you go to the Rena Center and we just have this nice wash and dryer for a year because we know we won't be able to afford it when the you know when the balloon payment comes up. So I th- that's what I see with OBJ is that we're seeing this like nice washer that we'll have to give back because of our living situation. So I think yeah. Cleveland fans, I think, uh, want him to want to love the city of Cleveland like Jarvis has, like Colin Sexton has, like Kevin Love has, and like uh, mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield has. And he hasn't embraced the city yet because you have all these other stars. And I consider Colin Sexton a star of the Cavs because he's taken on, he's, he's, he's encompassed the city of Cleveland and how he plays. He has a lot of tenacity and he loves the city that he's in. But OBJ just feels like it's a vacation and then once the vacation's over he's gonna be like ah, i don't ever want to go back to that place yeah and one of the things that i kind of worry about with you know if they do trade obj is how jarvis is going to feel about it you know that's his best friend and they're like very close i wonder if that's going to leave a bad taste in his mouth and you know how he's going to feel about the organization if that happens like that's the thing that worries me the most and it's weird because like i don't even like worry about if we trade OBJ, like that's fine. I'm fine with that. I worry about the ramifications that'll have on how Jarvis feels about everything. And I feel like if so, here's the situation: if OBJ wants to stay and we trade him, I think Jarvis would be upset. So if he wanted to stay mm-hmm. and the Browns organization decided, hey, let's trade him because we can get assets for him, then I think Jarvis would be upset. But if he knows his best friend is not maximizing his talent in the team that he's playing for, and he can't adjust his playing style to that team then I feel like Jarvis would understand him requesting a trade and the Browns appeasing him to get him out. I think he might look at the organization favorable because they're getting his best friend into a better situation for him to better himself, and yet Jarvis is still in a good situation because the team's taking care of him. That's what I'd, I would hope would happen, but you never know. Mm-hmm. It's it's a, it's a never-you-never-know yeah. situation. So, But we do – we're going to get through these Browns. We're going to get through this Browns conversation – you're about to be the first participant in our throwback rating segment. Okay? 
So I was wondering what this was about because you so, used that terrible photo of me. So I used a terrible photo of him and I too. So Katie and I also have a terrible <laughs> photo out there. We it was that a throwback. Wasn't nearly as terrible. I mean, we, I mean, we we had no sleeves on and farmer's tan. Like you could see that we <laughs> consistently wore t-shirts and then had an affiliated foods paper bag. I don't know what's in that paper bag. You have no clue. <laughs> and jean shorts. So I'm just gonna throw that out there. It might have not been a teenage photo, but. I mean, Katie and I hated each other when we were teenagers, so there's not a lot of photos of him and I together then. But as kids, we kind of <laughs> liked each other. So what we're going to do is, since you're a fan and we you know, we, we both appreciate, I think all three of us appreciate 90s rap. So some of the best rap came out of the mid-90s, early 90s, late 90s. And, you know, there's still rappers there. So we have a rating scale that we're going to go off of. You're going to rate new things that are in our life. But you're gonna rate it with a with a scale that we've created. So okay. if you like it, so this is how we're gonna do it. If it, it's a one to four scale, and the scale's rated mm-hmm. this one basically is no diggity. So if you don't like it, it's not it's not good. It's no diggity. Okay. Two is hardly any diggity. Three is what? Hardly any diggity. So just not enough diggity. Just not there. Okay. okay. Three will be a fair amount of diggity. And then okay. when you really like something, it's an overwhelming surplus of diggity. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. I'm ready for this. Okay. Hold on a second. KT is. So you're going to have to point when you want. To you ready? You ready? You just point. I'm pointing at you right now. He's okay. the technical guy. I'm just the creative guy. All right. So he makes the, he makes the magic happen. Katie's trying to get it done. If it'll ever do what I want it to do. And if not, he's gonna sing in the microphone for us. So wait, is this like new music? No, this is this is this is diggity. We're gonna play some diggity right now. Okay, okay, okay. Dr. Dre's coming up. There we go. That's fine. Did you say uh? Yeah, I did. (laughs) I can already tell you it's gonna be no diggity. Oh, see, there you go. All right. All right. Let's see if Katie gets working. But you got a few questions. All right. That's not the song. That is not the song. That's Desperately Wanting. That was, that's Desperately Wanting by Better Than Ezra. All right. You ready? All right. You ready to do this? Welcome to our throwback rating system. Your first rating is the Browns offense so far in 2019. Um, I'm gonna say hardly diggity. Hardly any, so it's not it's not no diggity. It's hardly any diggity. Yeah, hardly any diggity. Yeah. None. So yeah. the issue is, is that sometimes we start off with a, an overwhelming surplus of diggity, and then yeah. sometimes there's not enough diggity at all. But the we need more diggity on the offense, in my opinion. Yes, 100%. The great. only reason I say hardly is because, you know, Stop and Hunt has been great. I mean, the two best running back tandem ever in Cleveland Browns history, in my opinion. And that says a lot. Yes, probably. Says a yeah. lot. Because there's old guys that my yeah. dad would talk about. Okay, you ready for the next one? Yes. And it's just basically piggybacks on what you said. Nick Chubb. Oh, he's like overwhelming diggity. It's an overwhelming surplus of diggity. It's just the best yes. diggity in there. 
Okay, keep going. He's the best diggity. He's the most diggity. He has the most diggity, and I think that should be on a shirt. A shirt that says Chubb has the most diggity. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's change it up a little bit. Freddie Kitchens. Ooh, uh, he's, he's no diggity. No diggity for Freddie Kitchens. No, no diggity. No diggity at all. Because it's not just he's not just bad on the field. He's bad like in press conferences too. Like no diggity. The man needs to grow a beard too. So when he has a beard, he looks fine. When he doesn't have a beard, <laughs> he looks like that high school quarterback that still watches his old high school football team and tells them that they're not doing it because he won state in '82. That's what he looks like. Yes. Yes. All yes, right. You ready definitely. for the next one? Mm-hmm. There's our music right there. This is this is going pretty good, KT. You're doing great, brother. OBJ. Yeah. Uh, what's the third one? The third one is a fair amount of diggity. I don't even know if it's a fair amount of diggity. I'd say probably hardly diggity. Hardly any diggity for OBJ. So yeah. preseason OBJ, I think he had an overwhelming surplus of diggity. But since then... Yes. It's hard yeah. any diggity. I think you hit that one on the head. And it's not all his fault, but, you know, things have happened, and now he's lost it. Hardly diggity. Yeah, so hardly any diggity for OBJ. I think he would be really sad mm-hmm. if he heard that. Maybe that I might. he was. I need to send this. I'm going to cut the clip down so he can see that there's hardly any diggity for OBJ. And I think that <laughs> might. He, You know what? He might be like, shit, I need to wake up. Like, that's what I need to do. All right. True. Here's the next one. There it is. <laughs> Baker Mayfield. Um, I'd say a fair amount of diggity. Fair amount of diggity. That's a, that's a good average yeah. answer. Right now he's playing as a good average yeah. quarterback, so that's a good answer right there. All right. Yeah. We're going to piggyback there. Baker Mayfield's progressive commercials. Oh, absolutely overwhelming diggity. My, my little niece, she's like six, and she called me when I was down in North Carolina a few weeks ago. And she was so excited to talk to me because she just saw a Baker Mayfield progressive video or commercial, commercial on Hulu. Yeah. yeah. See? She's like, I had to call Aunt B and tell her about Baker Mayfield commercial. So she is. So, yeah. She's a huge for fan that of commercials. Alone, is that? Yeah. Oh, so that's an overwhelming surplus of diggity for Baker Mayfield commercials. Yes. Yeah. All right. We're going to switch it up a little bit, change it up before we switch into some sports. Let's go with another one. Popeye's chicken. Boha. Overwhelming. So when we talked to you like four months ago, you you haven't eaten Popeyes because it no. was just not. It wasn't even. It wasn't in your your radius of restaurants. And then you came out with this tweet that smelled like weed with Popeyes chicken <laughs> with Chick Fil A sauce. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that was. I, I happened to have an extra Chick Fil A sauce in the fridge, and I was like, I had a. a a chicken tender or something from Popeyes. KT, are you going to eat Popeyes like, chicken with Chick Fil A? It was are you a magical do it? combination. It was so good; it shouldn't even be illegal. That's very un-Texan. So Popeyes chicken not. with Chick Fil A sauce. Probably not. How's that oh, yeah. un-Texan? I don't even. Yeah. I don't really like Chick Fil A sauce. So yeah. <gasps> I know oh my it's. Gosh. I mean, I like to keep my Louisiana style chicken with Louisiana style, and my, you know, holy chicken, as in. You know, yay. <laughs> Did you just say holy chicken? Yeah, like, you know, yay says they're like closed Jesus. on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, it is closed on Sunday. Yeah. They are closed on Sunday. So, yeah. That's like also, the, Chick-fil-A's chicken is Chick-fil-A. always wet. So, you need Popeye's chicken. You don't like moist Crunchy. chicken? Good. No. I like Chick-fil-A's salad. 
the only fast food place to have good salad, so that's what I go there for. Yeah, I'm gonna throw, I'm gonna throw a curveball right there because we're we're still doing this the the rating segment. Wendy's salad is way better okay. than Chick Fil A salad. I'm a surprise. No the tomatoes are like beyond fresh. So like, if you like love tomatoes, tomatoes so you don't like. And so I'm not a tomato fan either, but the tomatoes are like, it makes a salad. Like everything's fresh. I'm blown away. So, and it's not like the big cherry tomatoes. They're like the diced up tomatoes. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Provides some amazing stuff there. And the cheese is better. And the, it's like a spring mix instead of just like the Chick-fil-A random uh, romaine. But that's just, that's me. So I think Wendy's salad has an overwhelming amount of diggity. So next one. You ready, okay. KT? Yeah, possibly. KT's not me ready. Okay. You ready? Ready. Close on Sunday by Kanye West. <laughs> no diggity. There's no diggity for the Chick-fil-A? <laughs> no. Nobody's your number that, one with the lemonade? No, 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 no. That whole album just made me want to cry. <laughs> See, I, I like my kids love that song for the very end of it where he where he screams Chick-fil-A. Like that's, I mean, that's all, that's that's iconic. The whole Chick Fil A part of it, but even that doesn't save it. Yeah. So okay. here's here's another one. Natty Lights. Oh. Wait, Natty Light or like Natterdays or like Natterdays? Let's go with let's go with Natterdays. Natterdays are overwhelming. Over- overwhelming surplus of diggity. Yes. For Natterdays. Um, yeah, Natterdays are the best. <laughs> uh, the the hard seltzers, I give them a fair amount of dignity. They're pretty good. Fair amount of dignity for the yes. hard seltzers. Is there a flavor that you yeah. prefer? The the wine, the Catalina wine mixer, or the uh... I like the mango one, like the peach, whatever. Gotcha. That, the other one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and then Natty Light. Oh God, barf! Like if there's something below no dignity, that's what Natty Light would be. No diggity is all it goes. It's just no diggity. Yeah. So. Mm-mm. No diggity. All right. So now we're going to go into the Cleveland Cavaliers. Cav season so far. Oh, that is also no diggity. No diggity. It started off so exciting, and then it just it it went in all the all the wheels fell off. So and now it's a disaster. When we were actually rated, I guess ranked six in the Eastern Conference, would you say it was mm-hmm. a fair amount of diggity? Oh yeah. Like, definitely. And now there's no The digging. first, you know, like 10 games or whatever, fun. Good times. But then, poof. It went, it went south quick. Can you hear the music, by the way? I cannot hear the music. Okay, so he's playing Cleveland Rocks in my head right now. So I'm like, what is going on here? Aww. So, Aww. the Drew Carey version of Cleveland Rocks. So there's that. Colin Sexton. Can she hear it now? Can you hear it? No, I can't. She what song's playing? Is it still Cleveland Rocks? It's still Cleveland Rocks. Okay. Colin Sexton, my little baby is struggling. He's having a real tough time this season. Um, unfortunately, I'm going to have to say, what's the second one? Hardly any I would any never diggity. give him a note. Yeah, hardly any diggity. Hardly any diggity. Yeah. So yeah. I'll, I'll give – so here's the, here's the cap season – input for me before I switch to the next thing. Mm-hmm. What what basically the the period Mark wrote on the Cavs season was Saturday night their <laughs> that awful loss to Philadelphia. Like just awful. Oh. 
And what made yeah. that loss, like, and I don't know if you saw this, but Kevin Porter dunked on the guy. Did you see this in the third quarter? They were down by like 47 at the time. And then flexed. No. And then he flexed on the player that he just dunked oh boy. on. And the announcer oh goes, boy. the announcer goes, simmer down, bro. You're down by a thousand. Like, and I was like, <laughs> that just summed up the cap season in any word possible was simmer down, bro. You're down by a thousand. That's it. And so That's Kevin it. Porter Jr. flexing on somebody when they're down by 47 was just the encompasses of the Cavs season. All right, <laughs> let's go to the Indians. Frankie Lindor. Mm. Sounds like he's on his way to L.A. Yeah, the Dodgers ever have like major discussions with the Indians. I mean, Frankie Lindor, there's nobody more likable than Frankie, honestly. Um, so he's got to have an overwhelming surplus of duty. So if, if, if you're ordering from Chick-fil-A, he'd be your number one with lemonade? Oh yeah. There we go. Yeah, I'm just Frankie dropping did. some Kanye West, you know, lyrics right here. There you go. So he's an I overwhelming surplus of diggity. He is. And it's gonna he be is. if the Indians do trade him, then we're gonna go back to no diggity. Not on Frankie. But on the door. No, just of the Indians. Yeah. All right. And the last thing that we need you to rate is the Church of Larry Johnson. Oh, overwhelming <laughs> surplus of diggity. There's an overwhelming <laughs> surplus of diggity and it never stops at all. It's consistent. I, you saw the picture of the pig monkey that he tweeted? Yeah. I don't understand <laughs> where he gets this stuff or where he's coming up with anything. And this guy is the best Twitter follow in my life. Well, it's oh, because he far. hangs around with O.J. Simpson. It, does he hang around with O.J. Simpson? No, I'm just saying. Well, O.J. Simpson is probably part of the church because O.J. Simpson is just as crazy as Larry Johnson. Exactly. So yes. I'm, uh, I'm yes. blown away by that. But thank you for being the partic- first participant on the throwback no rating diggity. segment. This is the no diggity segment. So you're, of course, I it's the it. diggity ratings. So this is going to w- replace I'm, all sports rating is the diggity scale. This is how I'm going to rate everything in life now. You're going to have to. I mean, you're like, is there a diggity here? If there's no diggity, are you going to show up? No, you're not going to show up. <laughs> but if you know there's a chance for an overwhelming surplus of diggity, you're going to guarantee yourself it's going to be there. It's just going to happen. Yeah. Just like I get 100%. an overwhelming surplus of diggity. When your dad tweets an awful picture of you, I don't know what it is, but it's like <laughs> it's like he has one queued up, ready anytime something pops up. The guy just knows what he's doing. You know, he, you know, I'm gonna tell you a funny story about what he said the other night. So we're sitting there and we're watching Mindy Project because I love that show, and they're at like some like fancy party. And my dad, I'm just sitting on the couch minding my own business, not bothering anyone. And my dad looks at me and he's like. We're never going to be the beautiful people, you know that? I was like, um, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Like, We're never going to be the beautiful people. Thank no. God. Did you just Kelly Kapoor your dad? Huh? Did you just Kelly Kapoor your dad? Did I what, my dad? Kelly Kapoor. I don't From even the office. Yeah, Kelly Kapoor. Oh, how dare you? How dare you? How dare you? She does yeah. that a lot in Mindy Project too. You guys should watch that show. Because she, uh, I think Stanley said something. And she's, fir- you know, first question: How dare you? Like, yes, yes. I had a lot of questions. Number one: How dare you? Yeah. So she, she's absolutely. <laughs> so you, you basically kill like a poor your dad right there. So, oh yeah. Tell us, tell us about your podcast. We've, I haven't caught, I didn't catch this week's yet. I, I caught last week's on the plane in the airport. But I got interrupted uh-huh. by I got interrupted by some amazing conversation with a random stranger telling me about that there's aliens in Antarctica, and the military. Yes, I wanted to meet this guy. Yeah, this I guy. That this guy's Joe, 
and he is a truck driver. So that tells you two things. His name is Joe, and he's a truck driver. And he's in an airport? And he's in an airport randomly talking to a stranger about aliens. And you know what? I, I was listening to your podcast, but this guy just interrupted me. And he was like, "Did you did you hear the news of Nick Cope, the former British, you know, Prime Minister of Defense or Minister of Defense, that's coming out about aliens?" And I, you know, normally I ignore people in the airport because I'm like, I don't really want to. Mm-hmm. And so I took my AirPod out and I was like, "You know what? This sounds interesting. Let's have this conversation." Like I, I, yeah. and I have that. Like my wife tells me, she has the RBF face. The you know, the RBF, she has the rest and bitch face. I have like the mm-hmm. tell me your whole story. And I'll sit there and listen to you, Face, for some reason. People will just tell me anything. <laughs> and so I was like, you know, I'm intrigued. This guy spiked my interest. And so he sat down and explained to me about aliens. And so I'm sitting there texting my wife going, literally, this guy is a truck driver, but he is telling me that there's aliens in Antarctica while he's like talking with me. He's not looking at me, but he's talking to me. And I am Googling everything he says, and I am finding news on it. And I was like... So what he's saying could honestly be true. And she's like, y- you're you're falling into the belief that there's aliens in Antarctica. And I was like, there are. They're in a hole somewhere. This is fascinating. And I was like, okay. And then he goes, my buddy used to work for Air Force One. And I was like, I gotta, I hope I miss my plane right now. Like, this is, I can't miss this conversation. And so <laughs> this guy is probably one of the largest elders in the Church of Larry. Like, the guy just knows oh, everything about the absolutely. world. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I have a new... Conspiracy theory that I have to share with you. Drop it. I believe that Ronald Reagan killed all the birds and replaced them with little spies. Oh. So, like, all the birds you see flying around, they're actually just like robot spies. Wow. So, I had a, yeah. I had a baby you bird. You Google on my, that one. So, I had a baby bird on my porch one time that I tried to, like, nurse back to life. Was, mm-hmm. that, a, was that a robot? Yes, it was a robot. That's kind of weird. Ronald Reagan did have the he did have the Star Wars. He did want to uh yeah. he did want to fight wars in space. So Yeah. Yeah. Ronald Reagan But that's now Ronald true with Trump. basically everything. Yeah, Trump has a star yeah. what is it what is this? He has a star? The the space Star Force. Sp- space Force. Yeah. Space Force. Space Force. Yeah. Not the Air Force. We're the Space Force. It's just yeah. like it's it's like I don't know. That's funny stuff right there. <laughs> that is a surplus amount of diggity the space force. And I think we're going to yeah. combat those aliens that apparently have lived on our planet since the, before Jesus was born. So basically we stole the planet from the aliens. So I don't know. Could, let me ask you this. I'll, I'll Google this. This is a wild question for you. This is going to be where we end on. Cause this is a wild question. Is God an alien? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to say, no, God's not an alien. That's that's because you're you're a Catholic and you're afraid to answer that question. I know that's, that's it. That's what it is. <laughs> I'm a Christian. I'm okay. I'm gonna say God's an alien. You know. <laughs> Katie's like you're in the Church of Larry now. The Church of Larry. I'm a. Yeah. I mean, this is the same guy that believes that Larry is a Bigfoot roaming through the woods. There is a Bigfoot. There is the Sasquatch <laughs> is real, man. Sasquatch oh, is yeah. absolutely real. Yeah, uh, absolutely real. real. When you hear but that he's been mentally committed, you'll know why. I've never been mentally committed at all. They, no, I'm just saying, not me. not at all. Not yet. No, not at all. They're never going to catch me. Remember, this is recorded. They're never going to catch me. <laughs> so, I watched Catch Me If You Can with Leo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks. I know what to do. They're never going to catch me. Never. 
Just know that, KT. Okay, sure. So Whatever. anyway, y'all's podcast is absolutely amazing. So that's what B said. So everybody listen to that show. Um, it is the fastest growing, or I guess fastest listening podcast for Cleveland-centric sports since Orange is the New Browns. You guys are killing it. Absolutely killing it. Thank you. And, uh, Thank you. We have a lot of fun. The the all-female cast there with you, Breezy, and Meredith, just, it's, you all have your, you all have your, like, strengths, and you you work towards your strengths because Meredith is just this, like, knowledge of sports. Breezy is kind of like the sensible one with you, and, and then you're just the wild, you're, you're, you're like Rick Vaughn. You're just wild thing. You're just throwing out the wild cards all the time. Right. And that's, you, that's my lane. And then your your uh, your your sponsor your sponsor reads are beyond hilarious sometimes. Oh yeah, Breezy yeah. really kills those erectile dysfunction ads. Yeah, I mean, she does a great job. Uh, somebody has to kill ED. It's it's it's, <laughs> it's it's affecting a lot of people in the world. So, well, that's that's all we have. Anything that you want to promote? Anything that you want to talk about other than eventually getting oranges and new browns onto that? That's what B said. Uh, yeah, definitely. We have to do that. Do like a, a fun little crossover thing. Yeah, we'd have. You the, can be our first male guest. We've never had be, a, a. Well, we've never had any guests yet. We're only seven episodes in, so it happens. But eventually, we'd like to to work our way up to that. Yeah, it's real simple. You just go on Twitter, you DM the crap out of people until you find a Brittany Mollis that was like, "Yeah, why not?" Yeah, that's that's how it <laughs> happened. Well, we made a mistake the have first to slide time. Slide into DMs. <laughs> We we uh, we well, made a mistake the first time because not with you but with our first guest, which he'll remain nameless, but he wears a, a pumpkin. He wears a vegetable on his head. Um, oh yeah. I don't know if it's a fruit because the the seeds are on the inside, so doesn't that make a pumpkin a fruit? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a horticultural person, but yeah, we had him on, uh, and it's just watching him now as he interacts with people on Twitter and how he mm-hmm. behaves in public, it's like ooh, mm-hmm. yeah. It was a ba- it's a yeah, it was a bad choice. It was yeah we didn't know we, we didn't know we knew him as Pumpkinhead. We've witnessed him. We went yeah. to, like we, those. Are, it's a cool looking gimmick. Yeah. So and super yeah. fan. He's always with the Browns thing. So Rick Howie is a super fan. Let's get him on uh, because you know hey let's get that on. And, and literally the week after I had him on, like I we had DMs that were like f you you piece of, and I'm like wait what, like we're not trying. They're to like we're on. not listening to your podcast yeah. anymore. Like, oh like, this is. This is week four. We're from like, Texas, come on, guys. bro. Come on. I mean, we so. don't we, we we don't have front row seats every every losing season that we've you know since the rebirth. Yeah. So we don't know what's been going on, and now yeah. that we kind of have our touch in everything, when we talk to everybody, it's it was very apparent that that was a a huge mistake. Yeah, we've we've moved up in the world on guests. Uh, you know, it started with you, and it's continued to grow. Uh, you guys, you and Breezy, uh, been amazing guests of our show, and we love that you guys support us and that we can support you guys. And then, um, you know, we want to get Meredith on because Meredith is just like the surplus of information. And she Meredith, has, you would love to have Meredith on. And Tommy she's like a direct so contact. She has direct contact with Freddie Kitchens, and I need to ask Freddie Kitchens questions. There you go. I want, yeah, I want all great. of us on one podcast. I think it'd be pretty awesome. That would be fun. We will put that make in the it, work. Make it happen. Because I think it would be <laughs> awesome. See, the, the bees and the brothers. So yeah. my name's Brian, so go. it's easy. I, I fall into place. KT, he's just a brother. So yeah, I'm, I'm just that guy. He's I'm just the, that guy. Close enough. I no, take care of the audio, enough. you know. That's what he does. <laughs> I turn up does. the mics and I turn them down. 
adjust them every once in a while just to make sure they sound all right. He tries to adjust stuff and puts like uh, humming noises in our headphones. So yeah, come to find out, it was just a, a computer. It's just the computer. It's the computer. I was like, it's time for go to that. Anyway, that's all we got for you. We greatly appreciate you coming on tonight. I know it was delayed, but we had uh, an amazing podcast as normal. And uh, yeah, yeah, we uh, we will be listening to that's what B said uh, every week. And uh, we'll continue to support you guys because you guys are absolutely awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I always have such a good time on here. All right. We got one more question for you. Yes. If you don't wear orange and brown. You don't matter. That's right. If we fire Freddie Kitchens, do we have to keep asking that question? (laughs) Yeah. I really. Nope. Nope. She said no. She said no. (laughs) Let me me put it this way. Nope. We We need. That's a good line. I don't care who it came from because it's better than we're taking the Browns to the Super Bowl and we all know what that is. So, yeah. I'll I'll stick to that one. <laughs> Means we're playing Madden. Yep. No. No. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all thanks, right. Brittany. We'll talk to you later. All right, thanks guys. Bye. Always fun having Brittany on there. Like we said it's her first time to be on the show since the Browns have won a game this season. On a season win. Yeah. So not a preseason. Not a preseason. Preseason. They don't matter. That's like practice. 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 But now we're talking about playoffs. 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 Anyways. 5% chance. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. You're saying there's a chance. Well, and technically it's 6%. 6%? Yeah. Did you know that there's like a methodology of what has to happen? Are you ready for this? It's, it's pretty interesting stuff. Yeah. So like, I'm gonna get to that in like two seconds because there's I like totally three teams that have my notes. The, there's like three teams that have to finish like three and one in the last four games, and like two teams that have to be two and two, and then one team that has to be one and three. The the biggest thing is is uh, is definitely gonna have to be Houston. Houston has to. Well, they look continue. pretty bad against Denver. They look bad. They've looked bad for the past two weeks. So yeah, we we got to have Houston Texans. That's Bill O'Brien going. Oh, I'm not ready for the playoffs. So, where what has to happen is obviously we have to win all the games, all three games, which nothing says playoffs better than beating the Ravens. Playoffs. So, uh, playoffs. But the biggest thing, you know, the the biggest thing that I noticed is playoffs. A head to head tiebreakers. Obviously, Browns over Steelers plus seven. Playoffs. Browns over Bills plus three. Playoffs. Texans none. Playoffs. Browns under Titans minus 30. Playoffs? So, how do we break it down? Playoffs. The best way to break it down is... Playoffs. We just got to win. Playoffs. And we got to hope that... <laughs> you guys are so tired. <laughs> <laughs> uh, playoffs. Playoffs. Anyways. Uh, Jim Moore, thank you for that. Yeah. Playoffs? Are we talking about practice? No, we're talking about the playoffs. Practice. We're still in the Are hunt. we still talking about practice? Speaking of hunt. Speaking of... Kareem Hunt. Sign the guy. Give him his money. Yeah. Pay the I mean, man. The guy deserves a contract for sure. Pay the man. I mean, trade I, o, you can trade OBJ and you have enough money left uh, on your salary. You can get a lineman, a first round draft picked, and probably somebody else. Yeah. I mean, do it. The G, uh, the uh I mean, if OBJ turns it around next year and if he decides to stay, which I think he will. I hope he does, but who knows what's gonna happen. I I don't really know. But what I'd like to say is if you do trade them, let's get some first-rounders. Let's get us an offensive line. Tackles, tackles, tackles. Tackle? Tackles. 
Keep so. your head up when you tackle. Heads up football. Yep. Probably. Gotta be certified. Possibly. It's possible. Yeah. Anyways, that was it. That was our That's show. all I got. That's Do you it. have anything else? That's all I have, man. Yeah. It's almost Christmas time. I ran a 5K this last weekend. Uh, yeah, you did. Yeah. That's why we didn't run, run, run Rudolph. Right yeah. after our win, you know, and all the drama started. And Motivated. I was like, man, I cannot believe we're not doing our podcast on Sunday afternoon. It was good, though. Yeah, for you. Killed it, man. I mean, I, I felt lost. I ran through the Jones. I mean, I literally sat in a corner just rocking myself, like, almost cried. That's me normally on a Thursday. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's that's us usually during a loss. Yeah. So, the good news is there's a chance. Your dog's making weird noises. Yeah, she's, you know, trying to grab her toy and bite her tail all at the same time. That's, a, that's tough to do. You don't trust that tail. Yeah. But you don't trust that tell like you don't trust a trainer. Well, that's all I got. That's it, man. We out. Bye. On December 11th, 1620, 102 Mayflower pilgrims and about 30 crew land on Plymouth Rock in Massachusetts. How surprising is it? that Baker Mayfield is going to lead our Cleveland Browns to the promised land, just like the Pilgrims did. That's been our show. Catch us next week. This is the Orange is the New Browns podcast.